He died and came back. That was the easy part. From number one New York Times bestselling master of suspense, Dean Koontz, comes a breathtaking new novel about the absolute powers of good and evil. Michael Mace, head of security at a top-secret research facility, dies at a tragic event alongside his best friend Shelby. But 24 hours later, he wakes up in a morgue with an extraordinary ability, being as elusive as a ghost. When he sets out to help Shelby's friend and her son, his actions also evoke the wrath of a member of one of the most violent street gangs in Los Angeles. But an even greater threat is descending. And if Michael dies twice, he will not live a third time. Don't miss After Death, the powerful new novel from best-selling author Dean Koontz. Learn more at Amazon.com slash After Death. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome back to Sukadeepfications, Mr. Huff. How can I help you today? Have you finally decided that you're a yes on that Bellamy tour of Eastern Europe? You're just never going to sell that tour, are you? You never. You you, you have no idea. Anyways, uh, yes, uh, we're looking for something. Uh, the final destination in our global horror series. I'll, I'll try to have a more, more, you know, open mind, uh, we, you know, with you specifically this time. But uh, so tell me, what do you what do you have available? Well, how about somewhere that's become a haven for LGBTQIA plus rights? Okay, sounds amazing. A place with amazing food, a welcoming culture, and warm weather. I'm into it. A country with a deep love for football, mate culture, wine, and the tango. Yes, this all sounds amazing. Okay, well, let's get you booked for Argentina. Wow, I I can't believe how easy it was this time. Easy describes both our business and sexual prowess here at Sukadik Vacations. Enjoy your trip. It's episode 97, Argentina is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. An economic crisis worsening by the day. Argentina becoming unaffordable for essentially its whole population, suffering 104% annual inflation, according to its official statistics agency. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie, And for the 97th time, my name is Andrew. That's goddamn right. Now, listen, everybody, this is our 97th episode. How amazing to be with you again. This is the first episode for May of 2023, and um, it's our final destination in our global 
horror series. We've been to some amazing places. We started in Italy. After Italy, where did we go, Andrew? Australia. After Australia. We went to Mexico. And then? And then we really challenging my brain power here. <laughs> um, and then we went to South Africa. And then we and went then, to South Korea. And, and we started today in Argentina. <laughs> yep. Well, I asked because I don't remember all that much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I you know, we, we've, uh, we've, we've done hit a few, every continent. <laughs> yeah. We, well, except for Antarctica, we didn't hit that, but to be fair, there's nothing out of there that, as far as we know. Um, so, I mean, look, yeah, we, we love doing series like this because it just allows us to really dive in deep to a particular type of thing. Um, and we've had a lot of fun doing this and like, you know, frankly, we've watched some films that we probably wouldn't have watched otherwise if we're being completely real, especially um, today. I have oh, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I would have, I would have never, honestly, I would have never watched either of these, but I'm really glad that I did. Um, so folks, welcome back for this episode. If it's the first time that you're with us, Friday, the 13th horror podcast is a podcast all about horror, horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. Um, so we always talk about something scary in real life first, and then we pair it with two films that match that same scary, terrifying theme later on in the episode. Um, so today we'll be talking about that, uh, but we're also going to talk about some certified terrifying things first happening in the world. So Andrew, get ready. Here's three of them. The first one is this, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, that, 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 uh, that fool that shouldn't wear a bow tie. Um, he was finally fired. Oh, I shouldn't say finally. He was fired from Fox news. Uh, but look, he'll still be spotting his bullshit. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad to see him knocked down a peg. I don't share in the same like celebratory joy as others because it, do, it doesn't mean anything in the end. Like, he's going to continue to, you know, go say silly shit. Um, just with a different microphone, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of uh I think I think for most people it's just surprising because for Fox News, Tucker Carlson was kind of like their cash cow, like yeah. as far as like advertising and stuff goes. But I think once that what was it, Dominion, I think it was called Dominion uh yeah. lawsuit came through, they finally were like, Well, we can't really we can't really justify this like multi-million dollar uh, attack against us and then still keep him on board. So it only took a multi-million dollar lawsuit to take him down, which is I mean, near nearly a billion dollar lawsuit. I mean, that, that thing yeah. was nearly 800, 800 million bucks. So yeah, it's crazy, but you'll still keep hearing from that piece of shit. They'll find um, another one. It's fine. They'll find another used car salesman to put on yeah, TV. Exactly. <laughs> Um, another one here is that new footage of unidentified aerial phenomena, those are UAPs or more commonly known as UFOs, uh, new footage was released by the Pentagon, uh, just last week in the latest hearings with Congress. This came from drone footage from the Middle East. Um, if you have not seen it yet, you should go look at it. Um, folks know that I am a big UFO, uh, fanatic and I am very excited about this. When stuff like this comes out, I always love saying, I told you so. The new videos are really compelling. So I encourage everyone to go out there and have a look. Yeah, I haven't seen these yet. So I'll have to take a look after the recording. But that's pretty exciting. and Really exciting. Weird, because well, I mean, we'll have to do an Aliens are Terrifying Part 2, I guess, at some well, point. Look, I've, I've, I've actually been hoping you would say that because I'm ready for that. Um, but yeah, it's I just I love hearing about this shit, you know. Um, and then finally, Joe Biden. President Joe Biden, POTUS himself. I just saw him in Dublin, actually, um, a couple weeks ago. He was here. And uh, he, uh, before I go into this thing, he was in my neighborhood. I'm in, I'm in uh, Dublin 8, 
and it's I'm in a place called Island Bridge. I live right by um, a, the our huge park here called Phoenix Park, and in Phoenix Park is where the uh, where the president of Ireland lives in a place called the Aris Nocturne. It looks kind of like the White House. And then just around the um, the roundabout from the entrance to the Aris is the entrance to the American ambassador's residence. And so Biden, of course, had an event at both of those places. Um, and so he, he, he was coming in right to the front gate of, of Phoenix Park. And it was it was a fun moment. It really was for us because um, that's that's a big deal over here in Ireland. Um, Searching anyways, for his heritage. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, and it was it was funny watching him come in, too, in the in the in the motorcade. Because like Joe Biden is just like the smiliest president ever, and just like loves to like wave at people. And so, yeah, like just seeing his his big dumb face was was kind of funny. Well, no, it was funny. Like we, so we had a, a visitor this weekend from over your yonder, and um, you know, she asked, you know, what's what's with Biden? And I'm like, he's just kind of there, and that's kind of what we needed. We had like, yeah, we had the like high highs of the left with Obama, and then we had the high highs of the right with Trump. And I think we just needed someone like in the middle to just like settle everybody down a little bit. So I was like, he's kind of just doing the thing. He's kind of yeah. just like you said, smiling and waving. So. That's what he does. Um, so yeah, he's announced his candidacy for the 2024 election. He is the oldest. <laughs> he is the oldest candidate in U.S. history. And that means by the end of his second term, he will be 86 years old. Now, look, I have been, I, I, I was not a Biden supporter, as a lot of people probably know. Um, I, and that does not mean I was supporting Trump. I just want to point that the fuck out right now. Um, but one of the really fun arguments that I remember about Bernie Sanders from everybody in the middle was he's so old. Well, guess what? You don't get to use that excuse anymore, bitches, because you are putting up literally the oldest man ever to run for president. And suddenly all those things about Bernie have just floated away. So I think it's kind of funny as a leftist, quite frankly. Yeah, I I listen, I have always said that I think that these upper age um, officials really need to mentor more people and those people should be running uh, but it's just not happening. And so I don't really know how to like, uh, I don't know how to fight that fight uh, because it's just like they stay in, they stay as far as long as they can. And I, I don't know. It just, I don't think, and, and this is not an ageist thing, but I don't think an 86 year old man, or I guess he's 82 now, right? Um, a 82 year old man will know what the average person needs and wants, if that makes any sense. I don't know. It just, it's I, very I, strange. I, but I'm probably, I'm a little less worried about that aspect of it and a little more worried, like literally about his capacity to do the job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like no, literally the, the capacity to get up and like go do things. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, and like travel was, around the world. I was and, watching yeah. him do, do this Ireland trip. And like, you know, granted, Ireland is not all that far away from America. I mean, it's like basically your first European stop over the Atlantic. But like, I mean, it's it's not an easy trip. It's I mean, I do it all the time. And it's not it's not easy for me. And I'm 40. So like, I mean, you got to get here and do this and do that. And the man is busy. I mean, he was in Belfast. He was here. He was there. He was everywhere. And I was thinking like, how the fuck are you doing this right now? You're 80 right now. I think he's 81 years old. How are you doing this at 81 years old? That's fucking crazy. But I mean, look, uh, uh, he's he's better than Trump. We 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 can all agree on that for sure. Um, but I mean, look, the other thing too is this: if he runs and he has one big health problem, 
that election, <laughs> yeah. that election is lost. It's gone, 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 gone. So can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. Go ahead. So when, and I, I'm literally being like very, uh, I, I don't know the answer to this. So I, I need your help to understand it is. Okay. So if the former president runs for reelection, are other people in the party still allowed to run against him? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. They're, they're, they're still allowed to run. Whether or not the, the, the DNC will allow things to happen, that's the question. Got and it. so, and okay. so like there, there's a lot of questions now about like, you know, that they're, there are two main candidates who have announced their candidacy, right? So, well, I mean, besides Biden, uh, Marianne Williamson, people remember her from last election. She's, you know, she's, she's sort of got kind of a uh, pigeonholed as like, like the floofy sort of like new agey one. Um, it, t- it turns out, honestly, I mean, like, if, I mean, I, I'm being real about this. Like, not even to be funny. If you like go, go read what she actually thinks about stuff. She's actually a pretty cool fucking woman. Like she, 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 she's got some great ideas. You know well, what? She, we need what, a we need a witch in the White House. You like, know what I, I mean? Yeah. I'm into it. And like, look, will she ever win? No. But like, does she deserve to be heard? Yeah, I really do believe that she deserves to be heard. And then you've got uh, fucking Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is just a he's a he's an anti-vaxxer. He he may as well be a fucking like Looney Tunes libertarian fucking like conspiracy theorist. We you always know. need one. Of course. There's, <laughs> well, I don't know if we need, but we always get one for sure. But like, but but still, like I I do think that. You know, uh, it, it, whether the DNC allows the debates or not, we, and we don't know if they will, it's unlikely that they will. Um, I think that there should be. And I think that, that that should happen every year. You know, I think when you're up for reelection or when you're up for another job interview, which is what it really is, like, you know what? Maybe there's better voices out there. Why are you the only voice that we should think is going to be the right one? So I, I, I really don't like the way America does it. I think it sucks. But, you know, here we are. Yes. All right. Does that conclude the certified terrifying corner? It does. So let's get on with the show. And folks, we are once again ending our global horror series in Argentina down in South America. So, Andrew, you've got some bits to tell us all about the land of Ava Peron. Tell us about it, please. Yes, so Argentina. So what's what's the deal with Argentina? If I what that was new? a horrible Buenos Aires. I'm new. I want to say I'm just a little stuck on you. That's from Avita. I won't sing yeah. any more Avita this episode. Um, all right. So as far as like food and drink goes, there's kind of like some big uh, some big areas of kind of like fame for Argentina. So they're really famous for their asado, which is kind of their Argentinian barbecue. It's usually delicious over open flame. Um, they also are very famous for empanadas, which are savory pastries that are usually filled with. You can fill them with anything, but typically it's like meat, cheese, and vegetables. Oh, you can um, fill them with anything, huh, Andrew? Like what? Well, just for anything, instance, can I had. You fill it with, can you fill it with anything <laughs> sexy if you wanted to? I mean, if you want. Um, but I actually, it's really funny. I think that this episode seeped into my brain cells and we actually went to Argentinian steak last night. Um, and I actually had empanadas and the special one was like basically an eggplant Parmesan in a empanada, which was really good. Bring that on. Um, and then for dessert, alfajores are a traditional, um, they're basically to think about like two shortbread cookies with dulce de leche in the middle, which I've never had. Nice. And that sounds delicious. Um, and then as far as like for drinks, um, we'll go into like the mate in a little bit, but their, their big drink down there is Fernet. Um, it's usually like a, and most people have had like a version of this, Absolutely, but it's a bitter, yeah. er, bitter herbal liqueur. 
Um, it's really popular in Argentina. It's made with a variety of herbs and spices, uh, including but not you know, exclusive to mint, rhubarb, and aniseed. Um, I've had a version of this in Grenada, which is, you know, not quite as far down south, but um, they do it with, they infuse their rum with like herbs and stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, if you are ever having like, you feel like you have like a cold coming on, you warm up a little bit of this stuff and just like sip it like tea. And I swear to you, you are free and clear. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I, I, I think Frenette's great. I love a good bitter like that. I think it's delicious. Yeah. All right. So as far as culture wise, so there are some big staples in Argentinian culture that maybe differ a little bit from, you know, where you're from. Um, one of them is the mate culture. So this is literally a tea. Uh, it's made from the leaves of the yerba mate plant. Um, and it's actually the national drink of Argentina, and it's consumed throughout Uruguay, Paraguay, southern Brazil, and also parts of Chile. Uh, mate was introduced to the Argentinian by the Guarani people. Um, the Guarani people are the indigenous group who live in Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina. Uh, mate is usually uh, drunk from a gourd with a metal straw, um, and you prepare the mate leaves in the gourd and add hot water to it. Um, the metal straw is then used to sip the tea. The preparation of mate uh, from shaking the leaves and pouring the water is almost like an art form to them. Um, and then that kind of leads into kind of the merienda culture. Uh, the merienda culture, which I, why don't we do this? <laughs> but um, the merienda is basically a small meal or snack that's usually eaten between around 4 to 5 p.m. after work or school. Um, for me, this was like a, what, what would you eat when you get home from school? I usually would eat like a Lunchable or something stupid. Oh, God. Like that. I mean, I, 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 I ate awful food because we, we had a bunch of, I would like, usually it was something like frozen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would like pop it in the microwave or in the, like, or in, like the toaster oven kind of thing. Yeah, I did have a slight obsession with instant pudding for a little bit. Oh, God, yum. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Yum. Um, but anyway, Marianda culture, um, it is commonly, uh, it basically takes place in most Spanish-speaking countries, and Argentina is no exception. Uh, Marianda usually consists of pastries such as facturas or media lunas or alfajores, like we talked about before. Um, other popular snacks include, of course, empanadas, sandwiches, and even pizzas, which we'll get into in just a second. Uh, Marianda is not a formal meal, but rather a time to enjoy a snack with friends and family. It's common for Argentines to to have a merienda with mates or yes. with mates or, um, or coffee. But you could also you could also have that with your mates. You could have you it with mates if you're if you have an Australian <laughs> visiting over there. But <laughs> um, no, I I just think that's like it, it just shows uh, kind of like the more uh, family focused um, culture that is embedded into a lot of South American cultures. Um, that's just kind of nice i don't know i'd love to have a snack at 4 p.m <laughs> you know what andrew you can i'm usually on the train but you can uh, <laughs> take one with you and that that can be your new snack um and then speaking of pizza so what a lot of people might not know is the huge italian heritage that is in argentina um so argentina is actually the second largest population of italians outside of italy so Think about this for a second. We didn't even put this together, Maddie. We're started in Italy and we're oh, kind of ending little with bookends. a little Italy. How about that? 
Um, so this is due to the mass migration of Italians to Argentina in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Uh, many Argentines have Italian ancestry, and it's very common to find Argentine families with Italian surnames. Um, the influence of Italian culture can be seen throughout Argentina, especially in the food. Some of the most popular dishes in Argentina, such as pizza, pasta, and gelato, obviously have their roots in Italian culture. Um, so I did not know that going into kind of investigating Argentina. I, yeah. we, we had a moment where we were kind of thinking about it. I've actually never been below. I've never been in the Southern hemisphere. Isn't that crazy? I also have not. Yeah. Isn't that insane? <laughs> like when you I, think I, about I, it? I, I really do want to, um, the, there I, I'm, I'm thinking about a trip to South Africa next year. Um, one of my, one of my friends just went on a tour and it seemed pretty, actually pretty reasonable. Um, so I'm considering that, but yeah, I've never been below ever. Yeah. I think, I think for us, it would probably be South America just because it's the most accessible sure. to yeah. get down there. But, and you know, after looking at all this Argentina stuff, I'm like, why are we not going there? I'd love to go to Argentina <laughs> in a heartbeat. I would. Um, a couple of other things about Argentina. So Argentina has a huge gaucho culture. Uh, basically, the gaucho is a symbol of Argentinian culture. Uh, the gaucho is a South American cowboy. And in Argentina, the term is used to describe a nomadic horseman who lives off the land. Gauchos are known for their skills in, ho- in horsemanship and their ability to survive in harsh conditions um, in the Argentinian grasslands. So that's kind of like their version of cowboys. And then, of course, we would be remiss if we did not talk about football um argentinian soccer um argentina is a soccer mad nation and the sport is the most popular in the country um soccer is a way of life for most argentines and they um, some of the most passionate fans in the world and it's kind of reflected in their record because um they've they've basically won the world cup on at least two occasions 1978 and 1986 they just won the most recent world cup yeah. Um, and they've also been runners up on three occasions in 1930, 1990 and 2014. So and then you like you just said, they just won. So it's no wonder that they have a huge soccer culture. It's because they win and it always feels good when you when you win. So why wouldn't yeah. you like, hop on board? Um, some things happening in Argentina right now. Um, Argentina actually is going through its hugest inflation ever in history it's triple digit inflation it's gotten to the point where the far right is actually proposing dollarization um they're starting to talk with the chinese about trading in yen it's kind of yeah, crazy they, down they, there they, i bet they're going to end up joining the, the if you don't know about this this is a little off topic but i'll bring it up for a moment um china is spearheading this effort to devalue the dollar have you heard about this at all a little bit yeah yeah, it's 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 an initiative called BRICS, B-R-I-C-S. Um, and so there's a lot of countries that are joining on to this. Um, I think it's going to be successful, <laughs> which is, you know, interesting to think about how that's going to run. Um, but it appears that it probably will be. And um, a country like Argentina, I could see them easily joining that. Yeah. And then the other thing going on down there right now that's in all the headlines is they ha- are under a severe drought. So they are trying desperately to make deals for water from other countries. Awful. So, I mean, listen, is it a beautiful country? 
absolutely does it have its issues just like anywhere else we've talked about on this whole global trip absolutely but maddie let's pass it over to you and talk a little bit about you know our side of things the lgbtqia side of things yeah sure yeah and one thing i'll mention too is that you know the the angle that i originally thought about going with this was about the nazi history in argentina mm-hmm. um, which which there is a, a long history of it and it's an unfortunate history and it's not great um, and I could have gone that direction and I could have talked about Adolf, Adolf Eichmann and how he was captured in, in Argentina and all the possible ties to Argentine government that made it possible. But I decided not to, I decided, <laughs> I decided to focus instead on something that Argentina is actually doing really well, which is being really progressive for LGBTQIA plus rights. Love um, it. and so I'll talk about that. I'll talk about, um, and this is a, an article from the uh, it's an article called A Look at the Progressive LGBTQ Rights in Argentina. You can look that up. Once again, it's from theculturetrip.com. Um, and it goes like this. It's really simple. Uh, Argentina's rights for the LGBTQ community are some of the most progressive in the world and certainly the most progressive in Latin America. Argentina has a history of fighting for human rights and laws regarding the treatment of LGBTQ people have resulted in a culture of acceptance and celebration. And here's how this came to be. Argentina is internationally recognized as having one of the most advanced systems of rights for members of the queer community in the world. Uh, The public here have long advocated for minorities, the oppressed, and the marginalized. And activism is a cornerstone of Argentine culture. Protests are commonplace in the center of Buenos Aires, uh, around the Congress building and the Casa Rosada. Uh, And everything from pension reform to abortion and uh, to gay and trans rights, it's all brought there before the government by way of public protest. Argentine society demands to make their voice heard, and it often works. Argentina became the first country in Latin America to legalize same-sex marriage in 2010. It was the second country in the Americas to do so and the 10th in the world, making it a world leader in the recognition of gay rights. This followed the institution of same-sex civil unions in the Rio Negro and Buenos Aires provinces in 2005, after which conjugal visits for gay inmates were also permitted in Cordoba. Same-sex marriage was legalized in July 2010, of course a milestone for a super-Catholic country in Latin America, and that also allowed same-sex couples to adopt and lesbian couples to have equal access to IVF treatment. Wow. Laws regarding laws regarding transgender people also incredibly progressive in Argentina. The gender identity law was passed in 2012. That's over 10 years ago. Think about that. Allowing trans people to transition without the fear of being diagnosed with some sort of psychological abnormality to prevent them from doing so. That's 2012, folks. Way ahead of fucking America on that. Got some news. Argentina has been cited as an exemplary country for transgender rights by the WHO. And beyond this, just for fun, there's a thriving gay scene in Argentina, especially in the capital of Buenos Aires. There's a plethora of gay clubs and nights catering to people of all genders and sexual preferences. Gay Pride is a huge event in Buenos Aires, and the parade in the capital is attended and celebrated by tens of thousands of people every year. So by and large, Argentina very accepting and tolerant of different genders and orientations. Of course, like anywhere else, there's still a long way to go. But I mean, come on, that's pretty damn good. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want a glimpse into what that pride looks like, you can watch the TV show Sense Eight on Netflix. They do a whole scene where they go to Pride, and it looks amazing. Seriously, for real. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, that's really awesome. I actually I knew some of that, but I didn't know how um, ahead of the time it was. Yeah, and I mean, kind of like the history same for of me. It. I, I had no idea, and like I mean. Think about how how far ahead they are on transgender rights while America is backsliding every day. Yeah, I think it. Listen, I'm going to start to just call it human rights because (laughs) that's what it really comes down to. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is what it is. And we'll leave it there because we have many episodes about trans things that you can go back and listen to. (laughs) We go on and on about it. Yes. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the folklore and in in um, Argentina, because I'd love talking about this kind of stuff when we go to a new country and we learn all about them. And it's just so interesting. The the. Sometimes the crossover and sometimes like the things that you like, for instance, we're going to talk about Nahualito, which is basically the Loch Ness Monster. But have you ever heard of it? No, never. (laughs) So uh, I'll go into him first. Let's just start there. So Nahualito is much like the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, He's a lake monster that lives in the listen. I'm going to try really hard. I took a lot of Spanish, but I. I don't know if I'm going to say these right, but uh, the Nahuel Huapi Lake in Argentina. Um, The locals describe it as a giant serpent or a plesiosaurus with a hump. Uh, The tale dates back to the indigenous people who inhabited the area before the colonial period. The early explorers began obtaining resorts from the natives about encounters with strange aquatic creatures in 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 1897. So this goes back just as far as Loch Ness Monster. But like I said before, have you ever heard of this <laughs> like um the director of the buenos Aires zoo um dr clemente onelli uh began receiving tales about a huge weird creature living in the lake then in 1910 george garrett who was working near the lake when he spotted the creature about 400 meters away what he could see was something between five and seven meters long projecting two meters above the water it was upon consulting with locals that garrett became to know of Nahualeto. Uh, years later, he organized an expedition to the lakes uh, in search of the lake creature. Since 1922, the Buenos Aires Zoo has been attempting to gather evidence to prove the existence of this creature, but in vain. Um, despite our misgivings on such a lake monster, you can't ignore the tales around it. So, for example, in 1960, the Argentinian Navy claimed that it chased an unidentified underwater creature in the lake for more than a fortnight, so for more than two weeks. Um, in 1988, photographs of Nahuelito surfaced again in a magazine. The man who took the photographs remains anonymous to this day and claims that it was not his imagination or any whimsical shape, much like the Loch Ness Monster. It makes us ponder over the tales of the Nahuelito. What do you think about that? Oh, that's insane. I I, I hope that one day I get to see Nahuelito. All right, two more. Um, We have the bad light in Mendoza. So I think that a lot of places have these like mysterious lights. Um, Some of them have been explained. A lot of them have not. Um, I know that where I come from, there's like an area where if you go over a hill at a certain time of night, you get like a reflection of something, but nobody knows what it is. I don't know. Do you do you have any of those kind of tales in your in your? Oh, area? for sure, absolutely. Uh, okay, so in the city of Mendoza in northern Argentina, there appears to be a light a few feet above the ground during the night in the mountains between um, Uspali- Uspalata 
Puente del Inca, and Las Cuevas. Uh, country people, motorists, mountain dwellers, and most of all, truck drivers claim to have seen the eerie light on a regular night trip and have attributed to some superstitious factors to the phenomena. For the natives of Argentina, the light is known as, known as Luz Mala, or bad light. Um, it appears to, above the ground and hovers for a few minutes before fading away. It is too far for anyone to go and investigate it, however, uh, and anyhow, the natives' belief in evil spirits keeps them from doing so. Uh, the light is enough for the natives and the night travelers to be distracted, however. So it, it sounds to me that it's something that it's so far off in the distance or maybe in a country mm-hmm. area to where people can't get to it. Or is there an evil entity keeping them from Ooh. seeing where the light is coming from? Um, and then finally, the last one, which is kind of, I, I think it's a little bit funny. I'm sure that these people don't think it's funny, but it's this uh, CNM, um, it, which is basically a deer that terrorized the Achirote people of Argentina. <laughs> a deer, my goodness. <laughs> um, so he would attack at night, um, seeking out villages after midnight and kill people by stabbing them with his large antlers. Jesus Christ. Um, if he found someone sleeping on their back, he would rip out their throat with his mouth. <laughs> Okay, wow. Not, um, not, he, not not quite Bambi, is he? Yeah. Um he well, maybe it's Bambi's revenge, you know. Could be. Um he killed four people every night. Um the day came when the Chirote, the people tired of the losses incurred, asked the shaman for help. Um they said, "What is that comes at night?" And they asked him. The shaman woke up just before midnight and heard the Sianham uh, approaching. And he said, now I have caught you, the shaman said. I thought it was someone, someone else, but it was you. You and I will fight. And basically got rid of that pesky, giant terror deer. <laughs> oh, jeez, my God. Goodness. Um, that one's a little more grounded in history, but it's still known as kind of like a, a, a famous myth, if you will. Um, so nobody really knows if that story's super true, but there's got to be just like any big any big story like that that's been passed down from generation to generation. There's some sort of truth hidden within the myth. So we'll, let, we'll leave you with that. Tell you basically. what, l- look out for deer in Argentina. My goodness gracious. Yeah, look out for deer everywhere. They're always trying to cross the road. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> Well, look, Andrew, that was a fun little trip to Argentina. Yeah. Um, I know that we didn't talk about tango, but I do have a special treat for our end game that is all about Ooh, tango. So we'll talk about it. that. Well, cool. So, Andrew, we'll leave it here for our horror in real life segment. And we'll now transition over to what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to a beloved segment that everyone loves to hear. What you been watching, bitch? What you been watching, you traveling bitch? Goddamn right. So, Andrew, this is the segment that you and I love to, love to produce because it's easy. <laughs> because <laughs> it's literally just where we talk about what we've been what we've been watching. Um, so, folks, every every episode we bring you four each from me and from Andrew, uh, either movies or TV shows or sometimes even books or podcasts that we have been either watching or paying attention to. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us first what you have been watching? Well, our first one is what we've been mutually 
watching. Uh, how about uh, that? And that is the new Netflix series called Beef. Uh, this is the Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong. Wong. Uh, mm-hmm. I oh, every time I say Ali, I want to say Larder, and that's. But Ali Wong. Um, and it's basically the basic premise is that these two people living in California, um, living in L.A., get into a road rage incident and then their lives are basically forever intertwined with each other. They have a beef yeah. with each other. Um, I will say I really, really liked the show quite a bit. Um it did. I think that this could have been better if it was eight episodes rather than 10. Um, if I'm being honest, because I, and that's just like a personal preference for me because I don't like shows that are too self sabotage And that's like what this show is in a nutshell. Like it's, people getting ahead and then like getting that and then, then, then like self-sabotaging each other or the, even either themselves or each other and this just not knowing when to just fucking stop <laughs> like and it's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i i feel much the same way i i when i got to episode like seven i think it probably was um and, and you know i i watched this when um i i had a surgery about two weeks ago and well, actually no over two weeks ago and I had a week of recovery where I just really didn't do anything in my house except like sit on the couch and just watch things all day long. Um, and this was one of them. And I really enjoyed watching it. But when I got to like about episode seven, uh, I was really surprised to see how many more episodes were left. Yeah. Because I just I couldn't fathom like what else could you do really and 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 I, I I agree with you on this. Like I think when 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 we give ourselves all the space, we fill it with something because we think we have to fill it. And I think this could have easily ended at at episode eight, and it could have been done and done. Um, but we, it it just kind of kept going on. Now you know that being said, that I, I'm not super complaining about it. I, I still think it was a great show. I really enjoyed watching it. But I, I agree with you. It definitely could have been shorter. Yeah, it just it's one of those. Um, it's a comedy of errors. You know what I mean? So like everything that will go wrong does go wrong. Um, And I think that I can, I'm mostly on board because the acting is so good and, and, and all that stuff. But like, just, I think the story was a little stretched if I'm being honest. And that last episode was so different than all the other episodes that I was like, like weirdly taken out of it. Um, But overall still really enjoyed the show. I'm, it's definitely going to get a season two. So, I mean, we'll see what they do with it, but, that was a that was it was a fun enjoyable watch. I had a little yeah. bit of a hard time at the end. I guess that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see. I, I you know, if, if, uh, there's uh, as uh, nearly everything anymore has there's controversy around it. Not long after the very strong reception of the show, it came out that David Choe, who plays the cousin, I forget the cousin's name right now. Uh, I can't remember his name. Anyways, the the cousin of Stephen Yoon in the show. Um, he's he's sort of like the loud one that he's the one that that got out of jail and he goes back to jail is is that guy, David Choe in real life who is a chef and who actually was like was like pals with Anthony Bourdain, um, he said some really stupid stuff a few years ago about like like it's 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 not, I, sh- I shouldn't treat it so nonchalantly like he he said some very rapey shit yeah and like we don't know if he raped somebody we don't know we don't know really what happened it's just him talking on a, i think it was a, i think it was a podcast i'm fairly sure that i'm pretty i think on. you're right yeah and like you know look he it sounds like a fucking asshole and the shit that he's saying and like people are right to be angry about it especially in today's world um and you know he he sort of talks about like 
he went to go see a massage therapist and this massage therapist was black and he like like asked for a happy ending kind of thing and like the woman like didn't maybe she didn't speak english very well i can't remember exactly what it was but like he like literally talks about face fucking this masseuse and like doing it in such a way that like he's like surprised that he didn't get like caught by the cops or something and that's just like it's it's despicable like you you even it, it's not even funny like this this is this, and this is why i'm not going to go off for that long on this but truly like this is why i hate like modern stand-up comedians yeah because like this is all this is like all that they talk about is like being awful to women and like sexual things that they, that are forceful that they think are funny and like a bunch of like white dudes or like in this case i, mean, I guess not, it's not even white dudes i guess a bunch of dudes like a bunch of straight dudes laugh to it as though it actually is funny and i think that that's a serious fucking problem because it creates a culture of misogyny that's just it's terrible yeah and it, so Look, th- this guy got called out for it. And like, frankly, Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong took for fucking ever to respond to it. They took like seriously, they, they took like two fucking weeks to respond to it, which I think is completely unacceptable. They should have been all over this from the beginning. They should have either known about it and had an answer because like, look, at they fucking are in Hollywood and they have fucking amazing PR people around them. So what the fuck those two were thinking is beyond me and why they thought they had to hire only that one guy is also beyond me too if i'm being honest still love the show you know will season two happen i don't know they got to find their way out of this controversy first yeah um we'll see i i think that it was a big enough thing for netflix that i think they'll find a way around it whether it's just firing him and like figuring out the story from there or what but uh um, i mean at, at, at the very least fire him for sure i mean if if that guy's a part of the next of the next series i'm not gonna watch it like, yeah no with, with everything that we know now how could you and like and that and that's just the thing is you know like thank god we actually know this stuff moving forward but god what a, i did think to myself when i saw the news i was like god damn it can we ever just have anything nice you know like can we just please have something where there's not some sexual fucking freak going nuts on something? Like, can we just have anything nice? The answer is no. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, uh, all right. What? Uh, let's move on. What is your, because I went first. What's your sure. non-mutual, uh, what you've been watching? My next one, my next one is a, is a beautiful film that I really hope that everyone who is listening to this will watch, including you, Andrew. Um, it's a film called Close. And Close is a film um, from Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, it came out last year. It is a beautiful movie directed by Lucas Don't. Um, the film is in French with a little bit of, of Dutch here and there because they're like it, it takes place kind of like in Belgium, but sort of towards the Netherlands. Um, so there's a bit of Dutch, a bit of French. Um, and it's the story of just two um, 13-year-old friends um, named, uh, named Leo and Remy. And they've been friends like forever. Like they're like they're like you know like best buds like from birth kind of thing, you know. Um, and they live in this beautiful part of Belgium, and they're thirteen, and they're just about to go to high school or or the you know the the Belgian U- European equivalent of it. And so like you know their their closeness in their friendship is one that you know a lot of boys share. It's a, it's a closeness that I had with some of my best friends when I was that age or before that age, I, I should say that changes when you go to high school. And that's what this movie explores so beautifully. And I don't think there's nearly enough films that really explore this. 
And it's important to note because like it's not a film about it's not it's not Heartstopper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this isn't yeah. Heartstopper, two boys falling in love, and like, you know, that's that's the story. And and that that's a beautiful thing to watch. This is a story about two boys that are young that have such a close relationship, and that relationship falls into question from people around them, and then they start to doubt the relationship that they have. And that is a story as old as time. And I think it's one that needs to be explored because it needs to change. It's so sad the way that friendships between boys transform in such dark ways in this world because of the pressures that we put on them, because of the gender stereotypes that we put on them, and because of just the the the, the expectations from society that we put on them. Um, this film does it in a in a really um, beautiful and tragic and sad and gorgeous way. It, it's one of the best films I've seen in a long time. I thought it was really wonderful. Um, I watched it on Mubi, M-U-M-B-I, which is like my new favorite streaming thing right now. It's it's a wonderful streaming service. Um, highly recommend, however, you can watch it. So do watch Close from Lucas Daunt. Cool. Uh, that sounds very interesting. Um, completely swerving into the other end of the spectrum, sorry, uh, is a movie called Unhuman. Um, this is a Bloom House production. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime currently. And I this is a weird one for me because I don't know why this wasn't a bigger deal when it came out. Because it, I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's 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 Bloom House, first of all. Um, the lead, I think you if you saw her, you would you would like recognize her, but she's kind of okay. Like, did you, I don't know if, did you ever watch the modern, I know what you did last summer series that was on Amazon Prime? I did not, no. She was one of the main characters in that. So she's been in a couple things. She's kind of like in that, like, I would say she's probably like 20 years old. So she's in those kind of roles right now. Like she's like either playing early college or late high school type of, of roles. Um, and this is all about um, this group of kids who are going on a class trip. So they're on a bus and um, they get in a wreck on the bus. And then there are zombies, essentially, uh, that come after them. And it's kind of that, that you know, it's that, that it's that's the typical setup for the movie. Now, I don't I'm not going to spoil the movie, but there's more beyond the uh, surface with this movie. And there's a pretty good twist that I didn't see coming. And I was surprised by this because I haven't really heard anybody talk about this movie. And it's definitely above the grade, like as far as like all the movies that you kind of like stream either on Shudder or like on Amazon or Netflix or any of these, you know, random horror movies that show up on any of these streaming services. And I think this one's worth a watch. So if that sounds up your alley, I would definitely recommend Unhuman on Amazon Prime. Love it. Uh, my next one is a classic, uh, also on movie. This is Cinema Paradiso. Um, it is the story, uh, it's an Italian film. Um, and it's the story of just, it's a beautiful story. It's, it's, um, uh, I'll, I'll just read you the, the, the fucking little, like the thing on thing on letterbox. It is a celebration of youth friendship and the everlasting magic of the movies. Um, and a filmmaker recalls his childhood when he fell in love with the movies at his village's theater and formed a deep friendship with the theater's projectionist. And so, uh, Chinema Perry, have you seen this before? I have not. No. Oh, you should watch it sometime. It, it really is. It's just, it's a heartwarming classic. It truly is. Um, I, th- I think you and Michael would like it. When you say classic, um, like what kind of era are you talking? 
This is this is a uh, late eighties, nineteen eighty eight. Okay, um, but it is a film that just sort of harkens to like just the old days of of cinema, and it's about this boy um, Toto, and Toto is just you know a boy in a Italian village, and there just happens to be in this village right in the the, the main piazza. Um, there just happens to be this beautiful cinema called the the the, the Cinema Paradiso. Uh, Paradiso. And he loves going there. He sneaks in. He he loves like kind of pestering the the projectionist, um, who like kind of like you know can't stand the kid, but also kind of loves the kid at at the same time. And you know the the kids got like like everyone in Italy at that time. The kids got a hard life. No one's got enough money. This and that, whatever. The kid's dad was like killed killed in the war in, in World War Two, and um and, you know this and that, whatever. And you know the the kid falls on hard times. The the mom falls on hard times because he's got a single mother. And eventually the projectionist takes him in and this kid gets to learn the movies and like learn how to be a projectionist and learn about, you know, this movie and that movie and everything else. And at the same time, the, the projectionist, because there are, you know, there's pretty heavy censorship laws in Italy. It's like the church had to like censor every single film. So the projectionist, he censors out all of the kissing in every single movie. Um, and like, it, it becomes a thing later on in the film. I, I won't, I won't spoil things for you, but uh, it's a really beautiful film, and you know it, this isn't a spoiler. It, it opens up with um, Toto, who's now all grown up, right? He's he's an adult. He lives in Rome. He's 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 a director. He's his own filmmaker, and he, he hasn't seen his family in you know in ages. He he left the town where he's from, and he hasn't gone back in a very long time. And it opens up with him getting a phone call, and the phone call is about the projectionist in his little village. He's died, right? And so he's died and now he has to go back to the village. But before he goes there, he spends time reminiscing all about his childhood and the girl that he fell in love with and this and that, whatever the movies that he loved. And it's just a beautiful fucking film. It really is. It just, it warms your heart. And if you're a person who loves cinema, which all of us are, if you've never seen this one before, it's one you got to watch. Um, so give it a watch. Cinema Paradiso. I watch it on movie where it is right now, but it's on, it's on pretty much everything else that you could imagine. A lost- well worth it. It's a great film. A Lost Art, The Projectionist. It's true. It's uh, true. We we were just at the tail end of that. Did you ever did you ever string up the the movies at your movie theater or were you just I concessions? Sure did. Okay. I sure did. I and I, I didn't do it I, it wasn't a, a normal thing for me because we had, you know, a, 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 what was his name? Ron. Ron? Ron. Yeah. Ron Ron Kesmerick, I think it was. Um he was also he was also the math teacher at school, which which was funny. <laughs> um he he did he did this at night. Uh, but he he would let me do it with him, and I, you know, like that, I think that's maybe why this movie speaks to me so much mm-hmm. is that you know my first job was was at a second run movie theater in Hobart, Indiana, the Art Theater, and you know that was still during the days where the 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 film reels got delivered same um, every week, and I got to take them up there and see how Ron was doing it, and like you know help him splice things together, and I would take home you know some of the 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 stuff that got unspliced from the reels, I would take those home. Um, and like just being in the projectionist booth is like the most magical place in the world. Like you, you like make magic happen for everyone around you. It's just, it's an incredible thing. Those huge fucking heavy canisters. That's all I remember. (laughs) So heavy. They were really incredible. All right. My next one is on Netflix. It is a one episode special called Power Rangers once and always. (laughs) Yes. Um, listen, I grew up in a certain era of boyhood and power rangers were 
the they were the shit. Like that's they were there. Like what happened? Um, so this is a resurgence of basically it surrounds the Blue Ranger played by David Yost and the Black Ranger played by uh, Walter Emanuel Jones. Um, and it's kind of just like an isolated little special that's kind of like a one episode episode of Power Rangers. Um, okay. And it does something. I don't want to spoil anything, but it explains why the other three Rangers are not in the special. Um, if you don't know Trini, who play or uh, Trini was the name of the character who was the Yellow Ranger. She uh, died in a drunk driving accident, like mm-hmm. in the, right after the airing of of Power Rangers. Um, and so she obviously was not there, but they try to work her into the script, even though she's not physically alive, which I thought was nice. Um, the only thing I'll say is, so this is exactly, if you liked Power Rangers, this is going to hit your nostalgia button real hard because some of the dialogue is a little cheesy. The monsters are a little cheesy, but like, if you know this going in, it's Power Rangers. Of course. Like, right. Um, but, um, the only thing I'll say is that I did really miss the absence of Amy Jo Johnson, who played the Pink Ranger, who is obviously still alive and still acting. I don't know the story there. I know she's taken to Twitter and said, like, uh, you know, I'm not mad that this is happening. I'm just not involved. So I don't know what the story is there. Yeah, um, sure. But she has no ill will towards any of these people or any of these uh, any of the project or anything. But I was just like, okay. that was my favorite character growing up was always the Pink Ranger. And so that that hurt me a little bit that she wasn't in it. But it was a good little isolated story. Um, if you don't know, David Yost, who played the Blue Ranger, was a closeted gay man at the time of filming. Um, and so they work in some uh, gay characters that are like the... You know how like in Power Rangers, there was always like the victim that was like, oh my yeah, gosh, sure. my 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 girl's down there. Like, you gotta go save her. <laughs> like, they they work in like two gay characters that way, which I thought was a little bit of like a little bit of uh, oh, that's nice. positive to him. Um, so... Yeah. Let's I'll just say this. If you were a big fan of Power Rangers back in the day, you're going to like this because they do bring back some other characters from some of the other seasons that I wasn't as familiar with. Um, But it was just stupid and fun in 45 minutes. So (laughs) that's nice. So what's your last one? My last one is a uh, a new document, a new documentary, pardon me, called Pray for Our Sinners. Um, Pray for Our Sinners is an Irish documentary that I saw last week. Um, at the Lighthouse Cinema, um, it's it's uh this is not a you know it's not a feel good documentary. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Pray for Our Sinners is uh, specifically focused on a um, a really dark period of history in in Irish modern history, modern Irish history about the mother and baby homes. If you don't know what these are, mother and baby homes uh, were created for unwed mothers and their babies. And what basically happened was an unwed mother would be identified in any town or village, and they would basically be put into, uh, a, a, for, for lack of a better word, a prison where they were forced to work and forced to live and where their babies were, were taken away from them. This lasted, I don't think people really know about this. The last mother and baby home in Ireland closed in the 90s, for God's sake. And so this this particular um, uh, documentary looks at the mother and baby homes uh, in and around Navin. Um, it's a little bit north of where I am in Dublin, and um, and and looking at the um, s- some of the work of people that were working to fight against it. 
and um, a really incredible work. Uh, this is from a documentarian named Sinead O'Shea. Um, I got to see it with a with a talk back a Q and A uh, with both her and um, one of the, the the main people in the film. Her name is Mary, and she was a doctor who tried to help uh, pregnant girls not not go to those awful places. Um, I think it's a really important documentary because you know, look, I'm really proud to live in Ireland, where this is the first country to um, to to truly vote by referendum for same sex marriage. It's a country that also used a referendum to legalize abortion. Um, but it's a country that also has a, a dark past when it comes to stuff like this. And so I think that the more exploration that you do of things like mother and baby homes, um, the better chance you have of never repeating something like that again in your future. So um, interesting little documentary. Um, don't need to watch it again for sure. Um, but I'm glad that I did. All right. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the, the Power Rangers thing is that they do also uh, give a little uh they give a little, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a refer- reference to Jason David Frank, who we just lost last year to suicide. So oh. he was the Green Ranger. I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that as well. So from, from mother and baby homes to Power Rangers. I know, I know. It's all, it's all, it's all birth and death. <laughs> so What's your last one? My last one is uh, the Boulay Brothers Halfway to Halloween special on Shudder. Uh, yeah, how, how, how was this? So this is what I, I I enjoyed myself because there are so many people involved. I mean, just yeah. off the top of my head, uh, Barbara Crampton, Matthew Lillard, um, like there's just a ton of people. I can't even name all of them, but um, I, I think it's a fun. It's I think it's like 44 minutes, so it's pretty digestible. It's not okay. super long. I, I think like and um, our friend, our good friend and friend of the pod, uh, Michael Verratti, does a lot of voiceover work in it, which oh, was good. Okay, cool to hear. Um, this is what I'll say about it. I think that, uh, and listen, we've had the Boulay brothers on the show. We've talked to them. We're we're very ne- they're very nice people. They're very good. We we like a lot of the stuff they do. I think they need a new editor. If I'm being totally honest, and I I, I think that they need to shorten things up a little bit because I feel like a lot of the segments just go like 45 seconds too yeah. long. If that makes any sense, but no, it, well, sure. I, I'll, I'll tell you the the reason why I stopped watching it and why I stopped watching a lot of drag shows in general is because, um, it started to get like really catty between mm-hmm. all the yeah. contestants. And I just, I, I can't stand that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want to watch a show where queer people are being mean to each other. That, that, that turns me off right away and i don't think that we have to do it that way and so i've i i'm, I'm glad to hear this, that this one was fun but the reason why i haven't gone back to watching despite having them on the show and i i think that they're very nice people the boulet brothers themselves i don't like i don't like giving my energy to things that are gonna like allow us to like continue to be bitchy to each other i, I just i don't like that even, even if it's in fun so if if that's not like this, I'll watch it. But if it is, eh, I'll I'll take a pass. This is actually you're you will like this. It's more of kind of like a variety hour of like little like oh, that's vignettes good. of like little yeah. comedy sketches. It's not anything to do with like go oh, good like the, competition, the actual competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Cause, uh, yeah, do you know what I mean though? Like, oh yeah, there's totally. There's there's so much wrong in this world. I just I, I don't like to do that anymore. I re- I don't know if I ever did, but it just it, that really bums me out. You know? Yeah. It. Uh, the 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 drag culture has changed quite a bit in the last like decade or so yeah um and it does seem to think it does seem to have and you know i think we have a whole episode kind of planned on this so we'll talk about it in, we do. in, in yeah. like a length but there is something about being 
you have to be the loudest voice in the room, even if that means Ugh. even if that means being the meanest voice in the room that I don't it's awful. love. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on this. So I, I really hope that that changes. You know, like we've got some great people on, out there, like, you know, like like Lucy LaDuca. Love Lucy. Um, I, you know, I want to see people be successful. I want them to have fun. I don't want everyone to be mean to each other. That's, that's not fun. So let's, let's try not to do that. Yeah. Folks, that is another edition of what you've been watching, bitch. Andrew, oh, well, actually Andrew and I both had beef from Netflix. Andrew also had unhuman, which you can watch on prime power Rangers once and always on Netflix and the Boulay brothers halfway to Halloween special on shutter. And Maddie brought us close on movie. Cinema? Is that how you said it? Cinema. Uh-huh. Cinema Paradiso on Mubi. And then Pray for Our Sinners, which I'm sure you can find in either your local art house cinema or on demand soon, I imagine. Cool. So, folks, on to our, after a break, of course, on to our first film of this episode, which is Terrified. ¿Qué es lo que está pasando, chiquito? No tiene que tener sangre en las manos, no en este lugar. A estos seres les gusta la sangre. It's not just scary, but it's terrifying. Maddie, tell us all about our first Argentinian film, Terrified. They are in your house, watching you. Police Commissioner Funes and three researchers of supernatural phenomena investigate inexplicable events that are occurring in the suburbs of Buenos Aires. Terrified was directed by Damien Aruña, written also by Damien Aruña, produced by Machaco Films, and distributed by RLJE Films. Funes was played by Maximiliano Guion, Hano played by Norberto Gonzalo, Mora Albrecht by Elvira Oneto, Rosenstock played by George L. Lewis, Alicia by Julieta, or I should say Julieta Valina, or Vaina probably, uh, Walter by Demian Salomon, uh, Juan by Agustin Ritano, Clara by Natalia Señorales, Nino by Matias uh, Raskovici, or Raskovsky. That's a hard one. And Patricio by Lorenzo Longer. This film is not rated, of course. Uh, 87 minutes long. From Argentina. Released October 11th of 2018. And filmed in Buenos Aires. Uh, The gross on this one was 368,000. No idea on the budget, however. Um, This was a first time watch for both of us. So, Andrew, what'd you think? Yeah, so terrified. I had heard a lot about this movie in the chatter, a lot like uh, in the in the horror 
community about it being pretty scary. Uh, I don't know why I avoided it for so long because it's been on Shutter for forever. I don't yeah, know sure. why I just didn't turn it on. Um, so I was happy that this kind of forced me to do it because uh, overall, I really liked this movie. And I will tell you, once we get into some of the point, like plot points of the movie, there was one that actually legit made me jump out of my seat, which does not happen very often anymore. Um, so I have to give it credit where credit's due. I think that I'm a little bit more invested in the first half of the movie than I am sure. in the second half of the movie, just because of like the mystery and everything. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about kind of how our cast of characters is developed uh, in the second half. But I really liked this kind of like first half uh, storytelling. It kind of reminded me of the grudge a little bit. And I can like, see that how you had like little vignettes of like what's going on in this neighborhood in, in each of the houses. And I don't know. I, th- I found that much more interesting than kind of like the paranormal part towards the end. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into it. And uh, overall, I, I thought this was very spooky. Uh, if you're going to watch this movie, make sure you wait until it's dark out because yeah. it, it, it definitely does enhance the experience of it just like being dark and spooky. Um, but overall, I had a good time. There was some really good jump scares that, kind of killed me but yeah overall really good maddie what about you yeah I, I feel much i feel much the same way you know it's it's interesting that you're talking about like other films that this reminds you of because that's sort of like the the general take from a lot of other people too um like for example i'm looking at one of the reviews on letterbox from someone that i follow and they said that this this film reminded them of, of the poltergeist of the blob of stranger things of of some of some of the fulci films um part of me and i i agree with that also, another film that this reminds me of, I know it's way out of left field, but I wonder if you'll get this, is actually it reminds me of Event Horizon a little bit. And like hmm. it reminds me of Event Horizon in terms of like the 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 insanity of these creatures and where they come from, from like another dimension, and they're just like totally demonic and they just like make crazy shit happen. Like it 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 like I don't know why. It just somehow popped in my head watching this. I was like, God kind of reminds me of event horizon in a weird way <laughs> which i i loved that it that it made my brain kind of click like that because uh event horizon i think is just fucking terrifying the way that they do the creatures and the way that like the the chaos just fucking reigns with these fucking things and like that is the deal with this like chaos reigns all over this fucking film and like right from the beginning when um oh god i forgot all the names right now but like the the the, the first couple that we meet like, you know, they think that it's the neighbor who's like doing this, doing this, like work on his house and banging, on, banging on the walls. Oh, yeah. And they, and, they, and they think that Walter is the one, you know, doing making all this noise. And so he, the, Juan goes over there to see what's going on and this and that, whatever. And no, it turns out when he comes back, nothing to do with his neighbor. It's actually Clara who went to go take a shower and whatever ghost or creature or whatever the fuck has taken her and is just banging her on one side of the shower and the other side of the shower and one side of the shower and the other side of the shower. And when he realizes the noise is coming from the bathroom and he walks in and all that we see as the audience are just the bloody handprints to start. Mm-hmm. And then her body hits the other side. Oh, that's just, that's crazy shit. That's crazy. I mean, what a way to start a movie, you know? Yeah. And that's just the opening scene. I mean, we get, we get kind of that eerie part with where Clara oh, is. Man here's here's voices in the sink and it almost looks like the sink is breathing yeah um yeah that i was not expecting to go full force into this movie so fast and that took me like completely off guard 
Um, and then, you know, we kind of get the two vignettes of Walter and then Alicia. Uh, Walter's is kind of a an alone event where he's being... Um, I don't know. I don't know if haunted is the right word, but there's basically. I, like, I think I think that's the only word that you can use, though. Really, is is haunted, like a giant oblong man creature that lives under his bed. Tell you what, though, <laughs> I will say this: in one of the videos, old boy got a nice butt. We see the butt. <laughs> we do. You know what I mean? We see the butt of this monster, and I was thinking to myself, that's not a bad butt. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it, but I was. Um, and then um, Alicia, where uh, tragically her son is hit by a bus. We never really truly understand who's talking to him through the shutters, which I thought was interesting. Um, and when he's getting well, a drink I, out of I the hose. It, I thought it was Walter, wasn't it? Was, was it? I, I'm I pretty sure it was Walter. I, it was Walter telling him to get away, right? I mean, it was someone telling him to get away. I don't, I couldn't tell you other. Maybe it was. I mean, I, that I makes think, sense. I, but. I think it was Walter. And let me tell you, when that kid gets hit by a bus... Mm-hmm. You are not expecting it, and I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" Yeah, it's a, that, that it was a lot to watch. Not since Gage Creed have we seen a child oh, get man. hit. Jesus Christ, man! Uh, but then he comes back from the grave and essentially just sits at the table. And when I am telling you how uncomfortable these scenes are of this little six-year-old uh. or whatever corpse sitting at a table, and how close. This all these investigators get to him while complaining about how smelly he is, but still get right up to his face. <laughs> I'm just like, can you not please do this? And the whole time you're waiting for this corpse to move, and you never really see it until his little friend looks in, oh my and his God. little friend, uh, and the corpse turns its head and looks at him. And uh, listen, this is a very disturbing movie. If you if you have any sensitivities towards child death, this is not the movie for you. Um, but then with the movie kind of switches gears. So we have kind of these like three vignettes of like what's going on in the neighborhood. And then it kind of switches gears to kind of like the police detective that is investigating it. Um, and his kind of like uh, partner who is also the lover of Alicia. Um and then it, it, we bring in some paranormal investigators and it kind of turns into like a paranormal investigation type thing, a kind of like poltergeisty type thing. Um, and this is like, I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I don't know if these people are like desensitized because of what they do or what, but like shit is happening all around them. You can see it happening. Things are floating across the room, across the being thrown against the wall. And they're just not reacting. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what is happening? Because I would be gone in a heartbeat. So yeah. I don't yeah, know I if mean, you I mean, you know, same. But but I, I think that you're right. I mean, this is something that they they've been tracking these demons, if 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 you will, for for a long time. And and that that's why they're there now, because they have heard of other other things happening just like this. They have the proof of it. And now they're they're tracking the latest one. And so these three researchers just sort of went, well, who are they? They are Hanno, uh, Albrecht, and Rosenstock. Um, these three researchers, these three hunters, however you want to think of them, they have the tools they think to bring this thing to a heel. Um, and unfortunately in the film, they are powerless really against it. No matter what tools they have, no matter what communication they have, no matter what, the 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 demons are I mean, I'm just calling them because I have nothing else to call them really. Because they're, yeah. they're not they're not really ghosts either, are they? 
they um, exist like in the shadow realm or something yeah. weird. Yeah, it's 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 very very odd. Uh, and, you, and you never quite get the full explanation of that, but I think that it's okay. Like it, it's it's okay if you if you don't know every single detail about that. Um, but you know, look in, in the end, they are ultimately unsuccessful. The, these people, and um, you know, it's it's a it's a tough road getting there because there's a lot of torture and a lot of crazy shit that happens in between. Yeah. Um, some things about the movie that I thought were a little weird. Um, this guy who <laughs> every, no, every part of it, uh, the, the guy who is like the main, our main character, the one that has the heart condition. What, yeah. Well, I can't think of what his name was. That was, uh, well, that's not, is that Fune or is that Fu, the Funes Funes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he says like, multiple multiple times he's gonna leave and he never does and it really annoyed me because i was like you have a heart condition or a coagulation issue that's what he kind of explained it and i was like he said several times like this is not for me i gotta go but then just like goes to another house and i'm like dude just leave just get the fuck out of there dude go so that kind of annoyed me a little bit one thing that i did notice that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense in the plot is that when Our main Jono, uh, one of our investigators, when, sorry, I have to clear my throat, which is really quick. <clears throat> um, he, when he uh, stumbles upon um, the main female investigator for the first time, when she's taking pictures of Walter's house from the outside, she has in her possession photos from the video footage that Walter took. But Walter disappeared and nobody's ever seen him again. So there's no way that she would huh. have that footage. So that was like, it just stood out to me. I was like, maybe an editing issue where you like hmm. left out a scene or something. I didn't something. think about that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I saw that uh, um, there was like a, a musical sting that kind of was like a simplified Halloween score. Like, I don't know if you caught it or not, but it was like Halloween without the synth. It was kind of just oh, like the piano keys. Um, I just noticed that. Um, so the scene that got me actually to physically jump do you remember the scene where he's looking in the window and he's like, there's a guy in your, in your, Oh yeah. He thinks that he's talking to his partner, but he's like, there's somebody in the front window of your, of your house. And he's like, I'm in the kitchen. Like, and he like goes from like panning back and forth between like the two panes of the window. Um, because it's like a sliding window and he like sees the man in one frame and he doesn't see him in the other frame. And it does that back and forth like three or four times. And then it pans back and he, the guy is like literally right there at the window. And I physically jumped like, <laughs> like that was the, not happened to me very often. But like that, that one scared me quite a bit. Um, the other one that scared me quite a bit was when he's getting ready to pull away from the house. And the main female investigator who has been sucked into or basically has been bludgeoned against a wall at some point. Um, she comes, you see her like far in the distance and then you realize like she's upside down, like she's Ugh. like back bent upside down running at the vehicle. And she's I think she says something along the lines of like, you can still help us. We're being tortured. She and says like, she says she says you still have time. You need to save us. We're being tortured. I wrote that down. Yeah, that part scared me. And it also reminded me of yeah. the main big scare and smile. If you remember. Yeah, I do. You. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> so. right. For sure. I was wondering if that was maybe being borrowed from that. Um, but that really did creep me out quite a bit. A lot of the creature work really did creep me out. Um, there's some there's some questionable CGI in some of the scenes that I wish that they would have just done differently, but you know, you can, can't you can't can you forgive it, do you think? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mostly with the the tall man that lives under the bed. Like when they show him yeah, like under enough. the bed, like there's just some weird CGI stuff that doesn't look great. But I'd agree with you on that. And I think it's in contrast because a lot of the movie does look good. Yeah, that's and what so, I mean. Yeah, so the, the parts that don't look great, you're kind of like, why'd you make that choice? Yeah, and then um, the character Rosentock really drove me fucking insane because he is so nonchalant about all of this when he's like, oh yeah, uh, I found the man under the bed. If you look over here, you don't see him, but look at this <laughs> perspective. And he's and he's like excited about it. And I was like, you need to check yourself into a mental, like <laughs> a mental house and have your mind looked at because no man in their right mind looks at this and goes, ooh, fascinating. <laughs> but that is that That is funny. Um, but yeah, uh, what else? What are, what are some other things that um, I thought the end was really interesting? The, the, the end was uh, good. And, and I thought the end was scary, too. I, yeah. I, I, I think that, um, you know, we, we mentioned a, a, a couple of times the film is a bit of a borrower, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, do it, does that annoy you? Does that, are you fine with that? Do you like it? I think that it's original enough. You know what I mean? Like, um, it didn't feel like recycled material. It felt like taking other, taking some other ideas and making it new again. Um, like for instance, like we've seen the scene where they can't light the match in time. They can't light yeah, the match sure. in time. Right. They can't light the match in time. But this time they show us it's because in the other dimension, um his his ghost friend is blowing out the matches and yep. i thought that that was like so i think that they took like ideas and like plussed them up if you yeah, will i like that uh, yeah so I, I i it didn't bother me did it bother you no no not, not at all but I, th- I think it's a question worth asking you know I, I i think that if people are annoyed by certain borrowing things I, I i would understand that but i think that you're right in saying that the film is definitely original enough it does some really cool things you know, it's 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 a different. It's a, it feels different enough to me over all the things that it borrows that all of that is completely completely fine with me. Yeah, and uh, we should say that kind of the loose explanation that we do get is that there are coexisting dimensions that are happening here, and there are creatures on the other side that are trying to break through to our dimension. It's never fully explained, but that's kind of what I yeah. gathered, if you will. Um, and then, you know, that ending scene where, uh, they go to talk to Juan about his wife again, cause he's the only one that's kind of quote unquote, like made it out alive. Cause he's still yeah, like sure. in the, in the holding area. Uh, and he says to them, did, did you bring him with you? And he points to like an empty, you know, there's nothing there. And they're like, what are you talking about? And it's, he points to the picture of the Rosentock and he's like, it's him, but he, you know, he looks like he's been burned. And I was like, oh, shit. And then yeah. that chair moves and then kind of a cheap, kind of a cheap scare that they throw the chair at the screen and that's the end. But still kind but of it works. Me, it works. <laughs> I, I also I like that part where uh, I think it was Rosenstock being attacked with, with the knife in the hand. And mm-hmm. then, oh, um, yeah. The, the, and the thing like is like sucking his blood into the cupboard. So creepy. That was creepy. And, and the sucking sounds themselves. Oh, my God. Crazy. Yeah, no, I, I actually forgot about that whole scene where he gets stabbed upward. And but that's Ugh. another that's another scene though where like Rosentock goes into this kitchen and there's literally uh silverware and knives and stuff hanging, not even hanging, stuck to the bottom of yeah. the cupboard, just like hanging there, and you're like, dude, why are you not reacting more? You're just like fascinated by this. And I was like, 
no, I'm gone. He's <laughs> too much, too much of a researcher there, I think. Too much of a researcher. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I had a real good time with the, the, this movie. Do we want to go ahead and just score it? Yeah, sure. I just want to mention one thing is that yeah. um, in December 2018, uh, Guillermo del Toro was talking about producing a remake of the film for search oh interesting so i don't know if that ever went anywhere or not but it's something to to think about and, and look out for also that this one best horror at fantastic fest in 2018 um for me because our awards are far more important than fantastic fest um i gave it a five and i said that it feels like this exists somehow in the same universe as event horizon and i love it for that i don't know why but it does for me um i thought it was great go watch it yeah, I also gave it a five. I said, this one actually scared me. Um, the only reason I didn't go higher is because I feel like the characters uh, were in a different movie <laughs> than, than I was I watching. So. Makes sense. <laughs> well, folks, that is it for Terrified. Stay tuned, and we'll be back with our second film of the episode, Virus 32. ¿Quieres café? Tengo ocho, mamá. Sí, tenemos abundante azúcar. Iris reportándose. <laughs> Hope you got your vaccine because we're talking about another virus. It's virus 32 and Andrew, tell us all about it. 32 seconds to live or die. A rapid spreading virus which transforms people into intelligent, ultra-violent, extra-fast zombie hunters. After each wave of attack by the monsters, they're left incapacitated for 32 seconds while they recover their strength. Directed by Gustavo Hernandez, written by Huma Fode, uh, and story by Gustavo Hernandez. Production company was the Aeroplano Cine, and the distribution was handled by Shudder. Um, also, in our last... Uh, sorry, we forgot to say that the other movie is also available on Shudder. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um, Tata is played by Pilar Garcia Ayala. Luis is played by Daniel Hendler. 
Iris is played by Paula Silva, and Javi is played by Franco Villa. This is not rated. It was released on April 7th of 2022. Uh, It comes in at a swift 90 minutes. Uh, It is out of Argentina, but the story mostly takes place in Uruguay. Um, The locations obviously are Montevideo. Uh, Montevideo, sorry, uh, Uruguay. The budget was 1.5 million, and it grossed about 94,000, as far as we know. Who knows what um, right. Shutter paid for it? But uh, okay, Virus 32, Maddie. What are your initial thoughts? Because I think this was also a first-time watch for both of us. Yeah, it was. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's probably a, a bit, a bit that we're going to come back to over and over again as we as we talk about this. I, I think that. Um, Virus 32 is a film that looks really, really good mm-hmm. and was filmed. Uh, there there was really a, a few scenes that, that the way it was filmed, I was just incredibly impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, like really almost right from the, right from the get go. Um, it's an interesting story. It's a story, however, for me, that just fails to keep me along with it after a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's it's um, it's a zombie movie. Uh, it's uh, how can I say this? It, 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 every zombie movie has its own rules, right? We, yeah. we know this that you you become a zombie in a certain way. There are zombies because of a certain thing. Um, you kill them in a certain way. They do this. They do that. They do whatever. This one is um, it, it is really complex, right? So the 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 we we don't know how the virus started, but the virus started somehow. It it spreads very quickly in Montevideo. Um, and when it, when, when somebody is infected, they turn into your, your basic sort of like rage zombie, right? They just got to go out and kill something, right? Like as soon as they can. And so when they go to kill something and they fly into this like fury, as soon as they're done with that fury, so like they, they kill a human, they kill a rat, they kill a cat, they killed all kinds of things in this movie. As soon as they're done doing that, they like stop and take 32 seconds to recharge. How somebody got this idea, <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know where it came from, but I mean, sure. Look, it's it's not. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I really don't. But I do think it's maybe a little silly when you get into it. And you know, it 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 works once you're into the movie. It does work. It does. Um, but there are other things that are just sort of all over the place too. Like these are zombies that aren't. They're not like full on zombies. Like they're like intelligent zombies. So like they like, they, they, they can open doors. They can play with balls. They're they're not, they're not brainless. Like they know what they're doing for for the most part. That that's the best way, best way to describe it. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If I'm being honest too, like I'm, I'm all in for like different types of zombies. Like, you know, obviously I was really into the last of us, because like the zombie there is a very different kind of zombie caused by a like a fucking fungus, right? And so like this one, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Um, there are some good parts. There's a lot of bad parts in my opinion. A, you know, there's there's a lot of just like why are you doing that sort of mm-hmm. sort of thing? Like why are you doing this right now? And like I know that every horror film is going to have an element of that, but this one had a lot of it. It had a lot of it. Um, almost right from the beginning, right? So, mm-hmm. like the the so the 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 mom. So okay, it's almost hard to explain. There's a mom <laughs> and there's a kid, right? The the kid is named Tata, and the mom is named uh, Iris, Iris, right? Yeah. And so like the the mom lives in this place with like a roommate kind of thing, and like 
she's like getting ready to go work at the club, but like they're they're smoking and drinking, so you're thinking that they're like they're about to go they're out going to the, the club, club that yeah. night. <laughs> That's not the case. The daughter shows up and she's like, "Hey, I'm coming to like live with you again or spend time with you." And the, and the mom is confused. Why are you there? But then the dad shows up too, and you're like, "Okay, wait. Are they are they divorced? What's going on here?" But they're not divorced. Like they they're fine together. So I don't know what that situation is. Yeah, the dynamic is so confusing. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, so then she goes to work and she's like working at this club. You expect, I, I thought she was going to like show up at like a fucking like club club, right? Yeah. Or like a no, strip club. Yeah. She turns up at an abandoned health club. Like it's, it's an abandoned health club. And yeah. for some reason there's like, security she's, she's working there and there's security and that is never explained it's never yeah. explained so no. so i i have i take i take umbrage with it because you're you're giving me the the inciting environment for this film and you're not telling me why we're there at all yeah. like i mean not- I, I get it it's it's her job that's i get that's why we're there in air quotes but why the fuck does she work there? No, what is the and point it's, of it? And we should say to listeners that have not seen this movie, it's not just like an abandoned health club. It's like a dilapidated health club. Yeah. Like it's There's like leaks everywhere. There's like the roof is falling in. Like it's not nice. So not, I don't really understand why we're protecting this property <laughs> with security. It makes and, absolutely no sense. And even to the point where it's such strict security that she has to go throughout the night and do these little thumbprints yes. so that it shows that she visits all the different areas of the health club. So that it, it, I'm right there with you. I was completely taken out of the movie at that point because I was like, why are we here? Like, yeah. why are, why, why do we need to protect this building? Like, I, mean, I don't like, get look, it. If, if, so here's a way to change this, this entire thing in the film. Make it a functioning health club. Yeah, that's, it's, that's I mean, it's, night it's, security. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Instead of this building that is so dark and scary and weird, and I'm left thinking, why? And that, and it, it is a persistent question that will stick with you for good reason because the entire film takes place there for the most yeah. part. So yeah. you are in this health club, and like Andrew said, it's dilapidated. So you're in the health club with all of its limitations, right? With all the things that are going wrong with it, with locker rooms and a pool Empty and pools and you know, <laughs> and there's like 18 fucking basketball courts in this place. I mean, like it's all over the place. And so, because of all of that, you know, those are the things that the characters have to work around, right? They are natural challenges. They have to jump over this or do that thing, or oh, there's water on the floor, get away from it, like, you know, that kind of shit. So, like, if you're gonna put me there, you gotta tell me why. You know what I mean? At, yeah. at, the, at this point, it could have literally been anywhere. It could have been in a church. It could have been in a library. It could have been outside. It doesn't matter. And I think that's cheap. I don't like that kind of decision. Yeah, I think this could have been, it could have been solved in like a one sentence line where they said something along the lines of like, uh, a rich investor just bought this building yep, to absolutely. like reinstitute it or whatever. Like, and Agreed. that could have solved it. But they Amen. don't give you that. <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> Um, what I will say about this movie is that at the at the very beginning, we have a, a, a really nice, long, uncut shot of 
all of these people, I don't know if you noticed, but can they you never not cut say, away. Andrew, can you not say long and uncut again <laughs> Just, in this episode, please? Thank you. Um, but we go like a good, like, I don't know, five minutes or so before like the title screen. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful all, shot. It's gorgeous. I don't know how they did it because they go from like interior apartments to like a drone shot to, I don't know how they did it. I, I, I was kind of, it, I, it initially invested me a lot in the movie and the thing that invested me is I thought we were meeting our cast of characters because we start with like yeah, an old woman, right. an old woman and her husband, and then we kind of move on to somebody else, and then we kind of go into Iris's apartment with her roommate, and like you said, they're kind of like having a good time, and it, and I was really I was thrown off by the time that yeah. this takes place in too. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but just this opening shot, I was like really into. I was like, okay, these are the people we're going to be with for the rest of the movie, right? Exactly. And, we never go back to the old couple. We never go back to the other person. It's just never. Iris. Like she's like the main character. Um, but so I, I, I liked that, but I don't know why we needed it. If I it mean, wasn't yeah, going to pay off the movie. I, I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, the, was it just the shot for the shot's sake or, right. or why? I mean, and, yeah. and so once again, we're just back to like choices that directors make. And, you know, I think that this is a newish director. I can't quite remember. Um, but, like, it's clear that this guy has not directed that many, not that many films. Yeah. Um, but it looks really good. Like, the overall movie does look really good. So I do want to say that. But um, I, so let's talk about the timing this, this movie takes place in. Because when we're first brought into the movie, I thought it was morning. Because, like, people are, yeah, fair enough. Up, they're, they're yeah. like, feeding the birds. I thought that the women were like kind of like having a hangover moment because there's like bottles everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're getting ready. She's getting ready to go to work. So I'm like, okay, we're in the morning. It's no, because like 10 minutes later when we're in the health club, it's dark. So I was like, oh, I guess that was all nighttime. But why would <laughs> right. he be dropping off the daughter for school in the morning? night i was just right really sure by like exactly yeah where where we were and in, in, in time in this but um some things I, I i thought were uh i thought that the line i thought that the lines between the daughter and the mom were were pretty funny at the beginning where the daughter's like you need to clean all this up before dad gets in here like yeah. this looks really bad and she's like and she says like you know you smell like beer and then iris is like it's not beer it's rum <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, another trigger warning for this movie. There is a lot of animal cruelty in this movie. So yeah. if you don't like that, just be prepared. There's oh my God. A, I think it's the, the fucking cat thing. Jesus. And they Christ. linger on it so long wow. <laughs> and then they repeat showing it. And that was upsetting because, <laughs> um, that cat looked like it was real and that I, I know it wasn't, but it looked very real. But it, it, lo it looks like real that. enough that you felt it and you were just like, holy shit, man. My yeah. God. We get a we get a bird death, a cat death, and then some rat deaths <laughs> yes. towards the end. But, um, yeah, like you, I was trying to figure out what she was trying to figure out about the thirty-two second thing. Like I was like, I I get what they were trying to do, and it makes a lot more sense. Like when they're trying to like navigate when they let out all the rats and they're trying to navigate between the the zombies. But like I initially could not put together what this 32 seconds meant like, I don't, like i was Same. like what do you mean like you're showing 32 seconds of like what like what like what is it yeah so, it, it, it didn't develop that scene enough to really give you what you needed to understand about oh 32 seconds to recharge 
And yeah, like, because they show they show that guy in the alley. He's actively attacking the guy, right. but she's showing like 32 seconds. And I was like, what do you mean? So are they violent for 32 seconds? Are they like, I don't know. It was a little fast and loose with those with those rules there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, you know, but it, it, I, I, I applaud them for something new. You know, this, yeah. this is a, yeah. a whole new take on it. It's interesting. I'm just saying you didn't develop it enough that it really plays on screen. And like, you know, I, I, the, the film delivers in so many ways. It delivers in looks, it delivers in gore, it delivers in violence, it delivers the acting in, is good. In, in, yeah, in speed and acting. But like, there are just some things that you can't dress up. And and the concept itself is one that you can't. Like, you, yeah. it has to actually make make solid sense. And this didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and the uh, so let's talk about some of these things that didn't make a whole lot of sense. So at the beginning of, or like I would say what, 20 minutes into the film, uh, Tata has disappeared from the the basketball court where she was left. Why did she leave the radio behind? Because it's not like she got chased out of there by a zombie or something. She just leaves it there. Well, knowing that's the only, uh, that's the only communication she has with her mother. It does make not make a lick of sense why she leaves that radio behind. Yeah, so so then you're you're left to believe that it's just a stupid kid, which yeah. like I guess fine, but that's a little cheap too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another thing. So there is a, a a blink and you'll miss it moment where you see another man and a, a little girl on like the security screen. I saw it too. Yeah. And that's what sets up like a huge twist towards the end. I thought that that was kind of cheap. I thought that 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 what they do with those characters yeah, and the way that they ch- like ch- like um, tug at your heartstrings in that moment. I thought that that was kind of cheap given the gravitas of what you think is going on. I would agree with you on this too. Yeah. Um, Because she finds uh, what looks like Tata in a furnace, basically burning up. Um, And a guy on the ground, essentially, I don't know if he's shot or just dead or whatever, but. And so let's, let's think about that. That that scene was really interesting, right? So she enters that room and she goes there because Luis, who is the, um, the guy that she meets along the way, who was the um, pregnant wife, who who was the pregnant wife named Mimi, who um, Mimi is uh, infected infected with, with the zombie virus or whatever. Right. Uh, Luis grabs Iris and makes her, um, basically like kidnaps her to help him with Mimi give birth to the baby. Right. Yeah. And so once the baby is born and once, uh, you know, uh, Louis horrible CGI baby is born. Oh my God. <laughs> that that baby, I, I literally wrote, what the fuck is that gross baby? It's so fucking disgusting. Um, but so, you know, once, once the baby's born and once, uh, Louise has to kill Mimi because clearly she's not going to be, she's going to continue to be a zombie. I, I also wrote down Luis is a fucking idiot. Yeah, um, could I thought not, that could not stand him the whole time. I thought that baby was dead, dead. Listen, dead with, with, I, I got, I'm not, I'm not for killing babies, but with how gross that baby was, just l- let it go down with the ship. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> let it go down with the ship. Anyways, so he eventually tells tells Iris like, "Oh, your daughter's in the boiler room now." So now she knows. She runs down there. She gets in there. There's a dead guy on the floor. She steps over a gun. I know she steps over a gun and I does not arm herself with a weapon until the last 10 minutes of the movie. I'll tell you what, when she stepped over that gun, I very seriously contemplated turning the movie off. I really did. Cause I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me in the year of our Lord, 
2022, when this film was released, she's walking over that fucking gun. That's unforgivable for modern audiences. I'm sorry. Well, you, 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 you cannot keep doing that. So anyway, she steps over it, right? Well, and, and also just forward. to like ahead, give gravitas to that. She in three scenes earlier was smart enough to get uh, Javi's car keys out of his pocket after he died. Of so course. Right. She's not dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so fucking like, you know, she, she steps over and you're like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill you myself. So then she goes over, she discovers the body in, in the, in the furnace. And she's like, oh my God, it must be my daughter. There it is. So then she comes back over and she grabs the gun and I'm like, okay, I wrote down, okay, now this is interesting because now this film has become not a survival film. Now it's a revenge film. She's going to get that gun. She's going to go kill Luis just for fun. She can go kill these fucking things. And I was like, okay, this, this is going to turn into something really cool. This now. is the moment. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It completely sidetracks that and it, it jacks you off just enough, but then it leaves you edging. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, di- I didn't appreciate that. I thought that was really cheap. Yeah, because she goes to uh, shoot herself instead and then mm-hmm. realizes at the last moment that there is a little red thumbprint, which means for some reason, I guess, this is where the movie doesn't make sense, though. Why would Tata <laughs> even like, why would Tata even like think to do that? Like, <sighs> Andrew, this is one of those moments where we both look at our scores that we gave it and I'm like, I'm going to knock you down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes we have to talk it through. Usually, usually, um, usually we go up a score, though. I know. Uh, and then, so I was really confused because I thought when, so just backtracking just like a, a second. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, I thought when uh, they, when she leaves Luis and the baby to like kind of do their own thing or whatever, and she hears like a noise behind her, I thought that he shot himself and the baby. And so when... Hmm. He okay. showed yeah, up sure. when he showed up in the sewer. I was like, "Oh, he's still alive." So, what was that noise then? That was that like the zombies breaking in and attacking them. I was very confused about this. Fair enough. But um, and then I'll tell you another thing. I was really confused about <laughs> is how does Iris <laughs> survive that attack because she is yeah. brutally beaten by that zombie man. I know. And she just has no broken bones, not even a spraying. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Well, like, it's a, so it's, yeah, also, let's talk about the zombie man for a minute. This is the zombie. So now we've got a zombie with a grudge, too, yeah. which, which we've never seen before. So we have a zombie, unlike the other zombies, who's like carrying a, clearly a grudge against this woman for, you know, because she's because she's Whatever not a zombie, reason. I guess. <laughs> and so like, he's been like hunting her specifically throughout the whole film. It's another thing that I'm like, I mean, I girl, I guess, but like, yeah. I don't know. That that doesn't really well, seem right to me in a, in a zombie movie, does it? Well, really? And even in the zombie, so this is the other thing that bothered me about the movie is like the zombies are only important when we need them to be important, ah. like the, like like the like the pool scene or like the scene where they have to like sneak past them in the hallway. Yeah. Every other time, like she is able to go from where Luis is up in like the, you know, past the pool into the infirmary all the way to the boiler room without encountering one zombie. But then two seconds later, there are zombies in every corridor. So I'm like, wait a minute. You can't you can't play this way. Like you need to either have her like fight against it or like encounter one and kill it. I either, either things happen the way that we can expect them to as an audience, or you're just going to keep giving us insane shit every time. And like, I, I look, there's something, something to be said for that, but there's also something to be said for like, you know, treating your audience like, like they're adults. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then I have in my notes, would a staple gun really kill a man? Because yeah, like, I thought the same thing. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That is a staple gun, right? It's not a nail no, gun. No, it's a staple gun. It's That's a what staple I was like, gun. Just change it to a nail gun and we have a whole different story. <laughs> like, what are you but doing? <laughs> those are the things where you're just like, ah, could you just, couldn't you just find the fucking thing? You know, but uh, whatever. We didn't direct it. Yeah. I So, you know, is it a is it a beautiful movie to look at? Yes. Does it fall apart in its storytelling? Yes. And it just kind yes, of... Yes, it does. I, w- I was struggling a little bit with finishing this one, especially when I thought we were going to lose Iris at the end because I was like, oh, great. We just watched this whole fucking movie for her to get her daughter back and then she just dies at the end. What is the daughter going to take the baby and go live on a boat by herself? Like, what is this fucking movie? Thankfully, Iris is alive and we, we get a little bit more. But then we get the stinger of the ending that the drowned zombie all of a sudden wakes up. So yeah. even like the drowning thing isn't real. And I just, you know what? With this kind of a movie where we're struggling throughout the entire thing to just get out of a building and then you give me kind of a downer ending, I just, it really. Well, Andrew, veins it, full of um, it, sets, it sets you up for the sequel, which they are working on. And the sequel is called not Virus 32, but Virus 16. The virus has mutated and it's less time to stay alive. <sighs> I don't think I'll watch it if I'm being honest. I, I don't think I'm going to either. Like, and you know, like here's the thing too is that I wanted this to work. I, I really yeah, me did. too. It's, it's not that I, I don't want to go into any film thinking that like this is gonna suck. That's that's not where I am, dudes. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not one of those kind of people. But also, like, I'm gonna be real about it, and you know, I, I, I'm gonna call a spade a spade. And I think Andrew, you knocked it right on the head. It looks great. It just doesn't taste good. Yeah, yeah. So um, overall, I said the movie itself is well acted and shot beautifully. I just couldn't get on board with the story and the character choices. I'm going to give this a three. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'll, I'll be a little more generous and give it a three and a half. Um, and I'll say, you know, why does she work in this abandoned health club? Why doesn't she get the gun? Why are some zombies this and uh, some zombies that? A lot of this film drove me a little crazy, but really incredible cinematography. All right. Well, that will do it for our horror in the movies. We'll be right back with a game called Tango Do or Tango Don't. All right, it's time to close out episode 97 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. And because we're in Argentina, I thought we'd play a little game called Tango Do or Tango Don't. Ooh. Maddie, I have four moves, or are they? Okay. That happen in the tango. And I want you to tell me whether it's an actual move in tango or did I make it up? (laughs) Okay, this is interesting. All right, your first move in tango is called the barida. Barida. False. That is a real move. God damn it. Um, a barida, as as uh, defined, is basically the sweeping motion. Awfully, uh, often, the barida is closely, closely connected to the uh, to another move, which I may or may not say, which is a dragging motion. So okay. that, if you imagine that in, in tango. Into uh, it. The second one is the tangolito. I'm going to say false. It just sounds false to me. 
I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> we made it up. Our writers wrote that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one is the Esquin. True. That is made up by me. <laughs> God damn it. Where, where'd you get that name, huh? I think that is like a dance term, but I don't think it's it's not in the tango. So You know what? It sounded real enough that I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go for it. All right. And your last one is the Posada. This, this is real. It is real. It is the stepping over the man foot in an elegant way. Uh-huh. So kind of like a, a little bit of a Argentina for beginners there. But that, that, that will do it for Tango Do, Tango Don't. You did pretty well. You only got Thank one you. one wrong. So good well, job. I'll, I'll be ready for our trip to Argentina, you know? Yeah. Um, well. But it, Andrew, as, as, we, uh, as we end this episode, something, uh, should we tell them about, about where we're going soon? Yeah, sure. We can start talking about the trip. I think we're a little bit of a month, a little bo- yeah. about a month out. So, so um, listen, folks. A little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, you know inside scoop. It's our hundredth episode coming up in uh, in June. It's it's been a it's a great year of anniversaries for us. It was our fifth year anniversary. And now it's our hundredth episode, and um, really cool stuff. So for this trip, uh, I'm flying back to America and meeting Andrew and Michael in Boston where we're going to go to Salem for a couple of days. So excited about this. Have never been to Salem before. Andrew, you haven't either, right? I have actually, but only for oh, like... Oh, you have been. Only like for a day trip though. Like it was okay, not... Gotcha. Yeah. So so, so we, we have some time to really dig in, but then we're also going to Providence. We're going to Newport. Uh, Fall River. Fall River, where the Lizzie Borden house is. We're going back to Boston. So it's going to be a little New England spooky trip. Um, it's going to be so much fun, and we're going to be creating content along the way, too. Um, so you know us. We always work in. Um, yeah. We'll be recording stuff and taking photos and videos and meeting some people and doing this, doing that. So, look, if you are in um, that area, that that sort of uh, New Englandy area, let us know. Uh, we'll be there, what, Andrew, June 6th through the 11th, right? Yep. Yeah, bouncing um, around. So, yeah, would love to see as many listeners of the show as we possibly can, but it's going to be a really good time and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It's a little spooky trip. I think that, you know, there is... <sighs> I mean, I, I I don't know how you feel about this, but like to uh-huh. me, there is no other summer place like New England. It's just so perfect for summer because it's a wonderful place. It's it's just it's the same type of deal that we deal with here in the Midwest, where like they go through awful winters so that they can have beautiful summers, and it's uh-huh. just it's it's really awesome. I'm so excited to go back to that part of the world. Um, I lived there for a year of of my life in between college uh, and and high school, and it was just really awesome so i'm excited to share that with michael and and, and maddie and yeah it's gonna show cool. them some stuff but uh my, my, my only my only rule in boston andrew is no irish pubs i have enough of them over here no yeah, we're, we're good <laughs> 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 all right so that will end episode 97 just a couple of housekeeping items obviously we are part of the dread podcast network you can go to dreadcentral.com click on podcasts and you can see all the wonderful podcasts that are in there with us if you want to support friday the 13th you can do that easily by becoming a patron on patreon or you can buy and or you can buy our merch you can do both of those things by visiting our website you can go to frygay13.com support that's frygay13.com support 
Speaking of patrons, we have two new ones, which I'm really, really excited about. Yeah. Um, two new patrons, Luisa Ferreira and Christopher DeSanto. Uh, they joined us at various levels on the Patreon. Uh, we'll be doing some watches for Luisa. She gave us a couple of movies to watch, so we'll, we'll watch those and report back on what you've been watching, bitch. Um, and Christopher, we're so happy that you're here. Both sent wonderful little notes to us on Patreon. Patreon yeah, uh, really nice stuff. How they, how they came to become a listener, and you know we've interacted on social media a bit and so just love seeing those new patrons come in not only to help just kind of keep the show going and show support but like i don't know about you maddie but i do get this little endorphin rush anytime anybody reaches out to us in any sort of capacity uh whether it's on social media or through patreon or whatever so i think a lot of people feel like when they listen to people on podcasts they feel like they're like like a, like a personality, like, like they yeah. can't interact with. And I'm here to tell you, we are not those people. So if you ever want to like hit us a, a DM or talk we'd to us it. or tag us or whatever, like we'd love to hear from you. So, you know, there, there, we, we got a message uh, last week too, about, um, there was a, I forget the, the person's name right now, but they were doing some marathon training and they were listening to one of our episodes and they, they hit us up on Twitter and, you know, we, we said, oh, you know, thanks for listening to the, the usual kind of stuff. And at the end, this person said, you know, no, seriously, thanks for keeping me company. And that meant a lot. It really did because, you know, that that's what we do. We keep people company. Um, and there's something really special about that. And Andrew and I take it really seriously. So thank you for letting us keep you company wherever that might be. Yeah. And if you haven't already, um, look down at your phone. I want you to take a look. Are we, oh, are you on Apple Podcasts listening to this right now? Oh, 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 my, oh, oh, my God. Oh my. Crazy. Um, do you see that little star button? No, let me just hit the five star button. Yeah. yeah just, just touch it. Just touch, touch it. it. That's all you have to do. Touch it. Go ahead. Give it a touch. Give it a little touch. Uh, but no, being serious, if you if you do listen to the show and you can't support monetarily, that's the only other way you can really show support for the show is just liking us on uh, your uh, podcast player of choice, uh, either Apple Podcasts, uh, Good Pods, whatever. There's so many whatever it now, is. But, yeah, uh, we would love to hear your little review of our show. But that being said, I think we only have one last thing to leave you with, and that is to get, get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP.